down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America People realize that Republicans slash conservatives slash patriots slash the American people have really been trained not to fight. And this fighting is all quite new, which is why we needed a President Trump to guide us in the right direction. We don't fight like the Democrats do, and the problem. I feel with that is that we view them like they are like us, like they think like us, like they understand like us, and we don't realize that they do not. They do not view the Constitution, our way of life, our morality, anything, as anything that they would want or want to reproduce basically because they have no idea what it is, because they have never really experienced it. Those at the top got there because they were tainted. They did something. They were mostly corrupt in some way or another, and usually stepped on someone else in order to achieve their wealth. Fortunately, there still have been many more who actually were thinkers and doers and push their way to the top. That's us, and we represent the greatest threat because we are their competition. And so we have to start looking at them differently. And right now, you're listening to Karen Schoen, and this is the prism of America's education. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Listen to this quote. Anyone now seeking national redemption by claiming to no longer support Trump must acknowledge how wrong it was to ignore and enable his corrupt, dishonest, and divisive agenda. Total denunciation of a despot's legacy is necessary to eradicate any remaining malignance. That was said by John Brennan, who used to be the head of the CIA. We forget he was a communist. And that's what we have to view these people as. They don't view our values as important. They view them as getting in their way to achieve their goal, which is 100% power over us. We have to stop calling them Democrats, they're not. They're globalists who are communists, who are every one of the isms and ists that we can find. And now we are really seeing what they are truly all about. And believe me when I tell you, when they say something, they will do it. They're not fooling. 
they're not like the, oh, I think we need to negotiate and come to terms and we need to have a good contract and we should have a good deal. There is no good deal. There is one deal, their deal. That is all. That is it. They are communists. And I don't think people really, truly understand how cruel this regime will be to anyone who dissents. You can see it happening now. Their idea is to crush us, not say, no, we're not going to talk to you. No, you can exist in your little world. That's okay. They're not interested in that. They want to crush us. That is their goal. Crush the little people. Put them in their place. They have no business thinking. They have no business wanting some to own something. Let them get it from the government, and we will dole out what we feel like giving them. Nothing was more evident than the last bill that they just overrode President Trump's veto and gave billions of dollars away to foreign countries who hate us but love them and gave up pittance to the American people. Oh, now stop paying taxes and see how far that will get you. What it's going to get us is going to be a huge tax bill. They're big on taxes. They love taxes. They are communists. They love big government. They love taxes. They love all of those things because it gives them power. And that's what this is about, power, power, and money, and control. That's what they're about. And they are all the same people in our organizations. It was interesting to see all of the people who have resigned. Oh, they are running. Of course they are. I will denounce you. What does that sound familiar? Hmm, let me go back and take a look at the Bible. Oh, my God, you can't say that. can't say God. There is no God. They're the God. In order to defeat the enemy, you have to know the enemy. And we don't know this enemy. We are very shy on what this is. And for that reason, when it comes to lack of constitutional knowledge and introduction to real communism. I'm so glad to have with us today Chris Wright, because when it comes to the Constitution, you're my go-to person. Hi, Chris. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having us back. And we have Nora Clinton, who has actually been there, done that, and been through the communist lifestyle. And she's going to tell us what we have to look forward to. And on that, I will deflect to you, Chris. Okay. Um, I'll start by telling us, telling your listeners about a little bit about us. We are the Anti-Communism Action Team. We are a grassroots group, totally independent, not affiliated with any political party. And our mission is to counter communist influence at home and abroad. We've been in business, uh, not business, but we've been at this activity since 2013. We have a speakers bureau, and you're going to hear one of our speakers uh, coming up shortly. And uh, the speakers are either survivors of communism or they are college lecturers on the subject of socialism. 
and I'll say a little bit more about how our speakers are available anywhere in the country through video conferencing. But right now, I'd like to introduce our main speaker, Nora Clinton. She survived communist Bulgaria and moved to the United States and came to love American values, has written a book recently called uh, Quarantine Reflections. And tonight we're going to hear more about her book and more about her love of, Amer of American values and what it's really like to live under communism. So with that introduction, I want to bring on now Nora Clinton. Nora, welcome. Thank you very much. And it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. And I uh, am very grateful for this most welcome opportunity to share my experience and my thoughts. All right. Well, you've prepared a presentation for us. So why don't you dive right into your first topic? Let me first say that uh, the name of your book is Quarantine Reflections Across Two Worlds, and it's available through the publisher Archway Publishing and also at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other bricks and mortar uh, booksellers and online booksellers. But why don't you just drop, uh, jump right into your first topic, Nora? Yes, I always wanted to share my experience growing up under communism in Bulgaria and the quarantine, the pandemic, recent events provided uh, a good opportunity to share my experience and put it on paper. And I especially wrote my book for children and young people because I witnessed how they're struggling trying to make sense of the pandemic, of the protests of everything that's going on. And a lot of young people didn't know uh, what to make out of it and they needed something to cope better with the situation. And I'm a firm believer in providing a perspective, a frame of reference, because uh, I think that knowing history and knowing what happened in other societies, both uh, in ancient periods and uh, more recent history, as well as across the globe, gives us a very valuable basis for comparison. And we cannot really appreciate how fortunate we are to live in this country without seeing what it's like in other uh, countries and in other regimes. And um, I think that we shouldn't compare ourselves to some unattainable utopian perfection, but look at real historical examples. So. Uh, my book is part memoir about my life uh, under communism and part essays, which are reflections on current topics such as uh, climate change, what it means to be um, a, a man or a woman, what it means uh, to earn an honest living instead of receiving a handout and many topics that young people are very interested in. So I just decided to write in a very approachable, readable way and just share my uh, thoughts. Why don't you lead us off with a story? Tell us a story or two about your experiences in Bulgaria under communist rule. Yes, uh, I, I would love to share some stories, uh, but let me uh, make an important dis distinction uh, first. When I talk about the comparison between Bulgarian communism and say American values, I'm really not comparing Bulgarian people and American people, or even the countries. I'm comparing two systems. I love Bulgaria and I cherish my friends and family members and I love and admire the United States. So that's not about people. I believe human nature is basically 
the same, but certain systems bring out the best and certain systems bring out the worst in human beings. So this is really about communism. And even though I grew up in Bulgaria and my experience is Bulgarian, communism is essentially the same everywhere because it follows exactly the same theory and ideology and its practice is not an error, it's not an aberration, it's a direct result of the communist theory. So uh, to me, what is really the basic difference between communism uh, in Bulgaria or anywhere else and the American system is the way human individual human rights are treated. Because uh, the American system is predicated upon basic respects for individuals and their God-given innate rights. The individual is valuable, the individual has responsibility, has moral worth, the individual is unique. Communism and socialism believe in collectivism. So in the individual doesn't matter. What matters is the group. Uh, so we talk about group rights instead of individual rights. Uh, and we sacrifice individuals if they're considered harmful or worthless. And what's really interesting is the way socialists and communists viewed individuals. It's almost as if it's a farmer who uh, removes weeds or uh, a dentist who would remove an aching tooth or a person who would get a haircut. So human beings are uh, as unimportant, uh, unimportant as the cells of the human body and we can remove them. Uh, totalitarian socialist society can dispense with them as it pleases. And this, I think, this difference in philosophy is the basic difference between communism and, uh, and the American system. So uh, I can give many examples of how uh, communism treated human rights in Bulgaria and elsewhere. And I think probably the most important right that was grossly violated was the right to life. So uh, since communist theory justified uh, violent, me violent means that would lead to the establishment of first socialism and then communism according to Marxist theory, then that gave permission to the communist authorities to basically kill anybody they saw as potential threat to their system. And historians have estimated that communism has killed over 100 million innocent people, and this is a conservative estimate. So I have heard many, because my uh, previous uh, career was in academia, so I, I talked to many intellectuals, and a lot of them would say that what happened uh, was an error, an aberration, which has nothing to do with the quote-unquote beautiful communist theory, but just the sheer number, 100 million people, that's one-third of the population of the United States. This cannot be an error. And both Marx and Lenin, for that matter, they uh, specifically wrote that violence is justified if it would lead to the establishment of the dictatorship of the proletariat and then socialism and communism. So the theory is the reason for the practice. And I uh, listened to certain lectures by Alan Korsk, who is a distinguished professor of uh, history at the University of uh, Pennsylvania. And I really like his quote about what 
socialism and communism did regarding the uh, right of life. So he wrote, no cause ever in the history of all mankind has produced more cold-blooded tyrants, more slaughtered innocents, and more orphans than socialism with power. And this is true of every country where communism has been established. Speaking about examples from my birth country of Bulgaria, I remember how dangerous it was to even tell a joke and that can kill a person. So when I was in eighth grade, I remember attending a birthday party for one of my classmates. And then somebody suggested that we tell jokes. And even though we were kids, we were 13, 14 years old, we knew that this was uh, potentially subversive, subversive activity and it would get our families in, in big trouble. So we had to swear an oath that we would all participate in the joke telling so that nobody would report the other and that we would stay out of trouble. And there was a famous violin player in Bulgaria by the name of Alexander Nikolov. He was better known as Sashu the Sweetheart. This was his uh, nickname. And he was an extremely talented musician. He never harmed anybody. And he was universally, lo universally loved by people. He just had a very uh, happy personality and always brought delight and joy to everyone. So, Laura, I yes? have to ask you to pause for a moment and we can come back uh, right after the break. You're listening to Karen Schoen and my guests, Chris Wright and Nora Clinton, and we are discussing who are the communists and what they will do and how they think. So hold that thought, everyone, and we will be right back. My fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, you were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health. Sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older. Until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958.
Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Thone. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education. And my guests, Chris Wright and Nora Clinton. And Nora was telling us what life is like living under communism in this beautiful utopia that they have painted for you that does not exist. It is a facade. You get to see the cardboard painting in the front, and then you get to see what's behind the curtain. Go ahead, Nora. Thank you so much. Yes, so uh, I was talking about how even telling a joke can uh, lead to a person being sent to a camp and ultimately getting this person killed. There was a famous violin player in Bulgaria who's uh, known as uh, Sasha the Sweetheart. His name was Alexander Nikolov. And he was very talented. He never harmed anyone. And he was telling jokes and was sent to a camp in Bulgaria. And this was a camp in northern Bulgaria, uh, the camp of Lovic, which was known for its extremely brutal conditions. All camps were brutal, but that one was uh, a stone quarry and many prisoners only survived a few days due to the very harsh uh, working conditions and the uh, torture they had to suffer. And this musician only survived several days. This camp uh, was known also for the way uh, the guards treated uh, those who were killed. Often they would uh, horribly feed their bodies to, to the pigs so there would be no trace left. And we have managed to uh, find some archives, local archives, that contain documents, orders to the local guards saying that they should vary the vehicles when they take out the bodies at night and do it at the dead of night so that local people do not uh, become suspicion of, suspicious of what was going on. And Bulgaria is a small country, yet it ha- had a very large number of such gulag camps. To me, uh, violating the right of life and just killing uh, many innocent people was probably the biggest uh, the biggest crime of communism, but certainly not the only one. Nora, let me pause yes. there. I have some questions based on what you've already said, but let's see if uh, Karen has a reaction for us to anything you've said. Karen? Uh, well, the only thing that I really see is the, as you said, Nora, the similarities between every form of communism and what went on in Bulgaria. They were not doing anything different than Hitler was doing, than Stalin was doing, than Mao was doing. They all do the same thing. And for anybody, and sadly for Americans, I think most Americans are ill-prepared for the cruelty that is going to be facing us because they believe if you don't speak and say what they want you to say, you have two choices. You will either do it or you will be dead after you have spent X number of years at hard labor. We should be very aware of what we're facing, and I don't think we are. Uh, that's a good segue to the question. one of the questions I was going to ask. Um, Nora, there are people uh, on the left who will say things like, well, that would never happen. We would never do that. We're not Stalinists. We would, we would not have gulags. We would not have forced labor. Um, we would never do that. We're democratic socialists. So 
uh, you must have heard this line somewhere along the way. So what, what would you want to tell people when they're hearing this line for the first time? Well, I think that uh, democratic socialism really doesn't exist. Uh, socialism can only be totalitarian because socialism means uh, that the state owns the means of production. This immediately leads to poverty. Because if the state owns the means of production, there's no competition, there's no regard for quality, there's no incentive for people to work, and eventually this leads to, to misery, to economic poverty. And politically and socially, when the minute we give up individual rights and say individual rights don't matter, group rights matter, society matters, then liberty ceases to exist. And uh, I've heard this uh, notion of democratic socialism and actually Hayek in the Road to Serfdom has uh, some very wise things to say. And he says that there is a, a lot of terminological confusion that's sometimes intentionally encouraged. And a lot of people confuse socialism with some vague, warm and fuzzy notion of welfare, say debt forgiveness or just uh, giving various uh, government help to uh, certain groups. But even having welfare, and I'm not in favor of it, but the case can be made uh, for or against welfare. To have we welfare, we need wealth. And in, in order to have wealth, we need capitalism. It's as simple as that. So uh, Hayek distinguishes between this uh, uh, equation, false equation of socialism with some... Uh, uh, flowers, unicorns, and welfare, as opposed to the way it really has to be implemented. And he recognizes that a lot of people don't know exactly what it means to implement socialism, and it always leads to misery, murder, and, and poverty. So um, also I remember, I think it was the Prime Minister of Denmark who visited Harvard uh, some five, six years ago, and he, made a, he gave a very interesting speech and he said, I want to make one thing clear. Denmark is not a socialist country. It, has a, uh, it doesn't have a planned economy. It has a, a free market economy. So uh, the Nordic countries are not socialist. Uh, whether they have taxation or welfare, it doesn't really much matter because they have a good capitalist economy and a, a basic respect for human rights. I have two more questions, then we can go back to your thread of thought. Um, in your book, there's a wonderful story about how students in school, uh, you mentioned earlier here tonight that individuals under a communist system are not important. The collective is what's important. And students in school in Bulgaria were actually not called by their name. So could you tell us that story? Yes, and I believe this was the case in most, if not all communist countries we were referred to by numbers. So we were arranged in alphabetical order and we would each have a number depending on the first letter of our uh, first name. Uh, and of course, this was to di discourage any thought of individuality. We are just uh, part of the system. We are cogs in the uh, state machine. Uh, so basically, we were constantly uh, taught to... Uh, obey the party, to consider the, the Communist Party as even more important than our birth mothers. And uh, any desire for freedom, individuality was discouraged. And what was your number? Uh, 17. Okay. 
Okay, well, number 17, my <laughs> next question is, um, you said here earlier, earlier that uh, the communist system brings out the worst in people. What were the Bulgarian communist leaders like? Uh, they were really, I mean, I can't even think of specific personal traits, but the Bulgarian communist leaders, for one thing, they were national traitors because they were serving Soviet interests. And they helped the uh, Soviet Red Army to basically invade Bulgaria and establish terror within minutes of uh, crossing the Bulgarian border. But one thing that really uh, shocking about communism, on the one hand, it, uh, it forbids religion and it discourages any freedom of expression, of congregation, of, of speech, but it created its own cult. So the first Bulgarian leader, by the way, this was the same person who was uh, part of this Reichstag uh, trial in Germany uh, uh, early on. Uh, his name was Georgi Dimitrov. And when he died, uh, we were supposed to worship him as a god. And the Communist Party was supposed to be a goddess-like animate figure that was referred to in the feminine gender with a capital P. So this first communist leader in Bulgaria was mummified and put in a mausoleum, just like uh, in Russia, Lenin was mummified or in China or in other countries. And I remember when I was in first, second, third grade, we had these obligatory trips to worship the mummy. And imagine how tra traumatic it is for a little girl or a little boy, six, seven years old, to look at this dead body in a, this big cold mausoleum made of marble and to worship the mummy that was put behind the glass and you were supposed to acknowledge what a great hero this was. Mm, cult of personality. Okay, what, what did you want to uh, tell us next? What's the next point in your presentation? I, I'd like to just add one thing. Every, we have to be thinking exactly what Nora said, but what was done to us. How many of you remember what Obama did? when he became president. Every school had his picture. What did they sing? Oh, Obama, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, oh. Or, but they were singing to him. They were worshiping him. Those little kids in the second and third grade are now graduating. Where are they? They have become, remember what Obama said? I need an army, an internal army, as strong as our military. He has groomed his army. That's what communists do. And like Nora said, we have to recognize the signs so that we are smart enough to know, wait a minute, we're not going to do that. We don't do that. And we have not been paying attention. Nora, go ahead. Yes, I would like to give an example that I uh, don't think many of our uh, listeners are aware of, especially the younger ones. And again, uh, the point I would like to make is uh, once we give up individual rights and say that individual human beings don't matter, there's no stopping the government from removing all rights, regarding how well meaning it might seem to be. So uh, this is really a rather shocking and uh, perversely interesting example of what happened when communists get out of control. So shortly after the Russian Revolution, there was a proposal to nationalize women. Uh, basically, uh, several decrees were issued in major Russian cities that proclaimed 
that young women between the ages of uh, 17, 18 and about 30, 32 would become nationalized and they basically would become public sexual property and working class and other underprivileged men would have free access to these women. And this is a horrendous example of violating basic human rights. And the decrees further proclaimed that if there was an accidental offspring as, as a result of this practice, the children would be become property of the state, they would be given to orphanages, and women would receive the government pension for their civil service. And because uh, I'm, uh, I believe that people might want to do further research and verify what I'm saying, I have a couple of quotations here. There is a, uh, an authoritative Russian historian by the name of Andrei Zubov. He recently published several volumes of uh, Russian history, and he's the editor, and these volumes were written by a team of uh, renowned academic experts. So he wrote, quote, in various regions of Russia, which were under, under Bolshevik rule, in 1918, 1919, decrees were issued and entered into effect, announcing that women were national property. One can imagine to what horrors the attempts to enforce these decrees led. And even the New York Times published two of these decrees on February 18, 1919. Now, very fortunately, this uh, idea was so outrageous that this wasn't a widespread practice and it uh, stopped shortly after it was proposed because these women, they had fathers, they had husbands, they had brothers who objected, there were murders shortly after the proposal. Uh, and lawsuits. So this was too much. But my point is, this wasn't a widespread practice, but it shows how far a state, a totalitarian state can go once we concede uh, the importance that uh, once we concede that human rights uh, don't matter. Well, that's quite a, I, that's a revelation to me. And it's right in line with the theme of, that you were discussing earlier about how under a communist system, the individual is not important, the, only the collective is important. So if the collective has sexual needs and it's not important that these individual women have, have their own personalities and, uh, and, and things that they want to do, this is just, this just floors me. I've never heard this before. Karen? Well, this is exactly what I have been talking about because it is happening right now in America as they are sexualizing our kids in kindergarten so that by the time they get to be in fifth or sixth grade having a sexual relationship with or without a partner anywhere, anytime, has become normal. And from what you described, it has not stopped. It has just gone underground, and the new name has come out, and now we are taking our children and turning them into national property who will be sexualized. I say it all the time, a hundred times. What's in your school? If we don't pay attention to what is going on under some beautiful fancy name, to what we are doing to our children, then we are going to be facing nationalization of whatever they want us to be nationalized. 
by my reckoning, I think we have about three or four minutes left. So let me say a couple of more words about the anti-communism action team. Then we'll ask Nora to wrap it up. How's that sound, Karen? Sounds good to me. Okay. Uh, Again, we're the anti-communism action team. Nora is one of our speakers in our speakers bureau. The speakers are available free of charge anywhere in the country through video conferencing. Last year, we had 34 events. We've been on Levin TV, Breitbart TV, presented to the Heritage Foundation, the Leadership Institute, and uh, we will present to any church group, uh, classroom, any any group of five friends uh, in in five living rooms through Zoom, video conferencing. So we are eager to get our message out. It's an entirely a grassroots effort. And we hope that your listeners will avail themselves of uh, our speakers' expertise and experiences. We also have a free newsletter. We have a free mailing list. It's uh, the website is www.spiderthefly.com with hyphens between the words. And the email address is mail at spiderandthefly.com. Again, with hyphens between the words, everything's free. Your contact information is never sold or shared. Entirely a grassroots effort. And we hope to hear from your audience. And with that, uh, Nora, do you have a last point you want to make to wrap all this up? Yes, I think that it's extremely important to educate children and young people about the advantages and the values of the American system by providing a comparison with communism and any form of totalitarian socialism. Children need to learn that human nature is flawed and governments are also flawed. And of course, even the best systems in human history abound in errors. But the big difference is that uh, systems like ours, the American system, or uh, other examples of uh, Western democracy, they strive to correct their errors. While uh, communist societies have committed unbelievable, unfathomable atrocities, and there's this double standard, and there can be no valid comparisons between the normal errors of a good society and the horrible crimes that totalitarian socialism has committed. So I think that we must educate young people with facts and reason about the unique advantages of the American system. They need to have an informed patriotism, and otherwise they will forget how good they have it. And I think that people need a constant reminder that as Abraham Lincoln said, America is the last best hope on earth. And as a grateful new citizen, I think I will always be a passionate defender of American values. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nora. Thank you all uh, for listening. We will be right back. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education. in the out loud truth from sea to shining sea americaoutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all this is not a fight of republican versus democrat it's not a fight of rich versus poor old versus young man versus woman gay versus straight it's not a fight of black lives blue lives hispanic lives or white lives this is a battle of good versus evil It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
we're going to be having a great time as we're going to be talking to Pastor Rick Stevens. But before we do that, I want to read something to you that just came across my desk yesterday, and I think it has a lot to do with the way that things are unfolding uh, this past week. Um, This is a quote. Anyone now seeking national redemption by claiming to no longer support Trump must acknowledge how wrong it was to ignore and enable his corrupt, dishonest, and divisive agenda. Total denunciation of a despot's legacy is necessary to eradicate remaining malignancies. And that wonderful quote was by John Brennan, the communist liar and head who destroyed the CIA under the Obama administration. Basically, what he's saying is, if you don't denounce Trump and promise you'll never, ever do it again and that you are horribly wrong for even supporting him in the first place, then you will go on wind up probably in a re-education camp. Or better yet, you'll have your social credits taken away and you won't be able to travel anyplace. You won't be able to get anything. Pay attention to what's going on in China because they intend to bring that here. So, folks, are you ready for America's new normal? We have to stop treating them like they are us. Communists are trained to hate. So now they are out in the open. And we can see that those Democrat, communist, globalist, AK, leftist elites hate God, hate Christians, hate Christianity, hate Jews, hate Judaism, hate just about every denomination of religious favor that they can find. And in addition, they hate America's exceptionalism, our individualism, our patriotism, and they hate the mention of the treasured values that made America great. They feel that even saying make America great is reprehensible. They want us to be a collective a collectivist country owned and governed by socialism rather than individual liberty. So why do the Republicans let them do this? Why do the Republicans allow the communists to get their nose under the tent and now they're going to rule inside the tent? Well, mostly it's because they believe that they are immune to repercussions. Boy, have they got a big surprise. They haven't read history because the first group the communists go after are the top echelon of opposition. Remember, no opposition is allowed under communism. The communists call the patriots fascists. I even wonder if they have any idea what fascism means. Fascism is the merger of state and corporate power. And it is technically defined by the word fascism, which describes the Democrats to a T. They are in consort with corporate power, the tech giants, Wall Street. It doesn't make any difference because they are all under the same power-hungry roof. And the Democrats and Republicans will sit on their hands no matter how many conferences and meetings they have about big tech and about 2.30. They will do nothing because of money, power, and control. 
these tech giants, these big corporations donate heavily to the Democrat Party and to Republicans who buy into the allowance of them to rule. Republicans, us guys, and conservatives have been trained never to fight back. They're taught that confrontation does not lead to good results. We know that fighting and violence just brings more fighting and violence, and the results are never positive. But the problem is that when you are fighting an enemy that only understands confrontation because you don't know your enemy, stepping back gives you a disadvantage instead of an advantage. We treat them like we think we would want to be treated. They do not treat us like that. They hate us. They despise us. I can't say any more stronger words. And they are totally irrational. So we cannot answer them and fight with them if we are going to be rational. It does not work. And this has been the problem over time. We do not know the enemy. Trump did, and that's why they despise him. He does not back down, and he has been the inspiration for millions to fight what they believe and to fight for America and Americans. Therefore, are we going to go back down? Is that going to be the new MO, the modus operandi? Not ever under any circumstances. And so, Pastor Rick, with all of this hatred flowing around all over the place, what are we to do? I'm going to Whoa. drop that in your lap. <laughs> well, that's a big one. <laughs> well, the first thing that occurs to me is we don't answer hate with hate. We can disagree, and we should. We should stand up for what we believe, but we don't answer hate with hate. I remember some years ago, I was on a plane traveling from Indianapolis, Indiana to Atlanta, Georgia. And for whatever reason, I was seated next to a young lady who was an African-American. And we spoke up, spoke up and had a little bit of a conversation, which isn't necessarily typical for me. But uh, we talked about some things and I asked her because I genuinely was interested, she being from the Atlanta area, what, how she understood all the struggles that had gone on. And I will never forget what she said to me. And it, it raised my admiration for people like her enormously. But she said from her earliest remembrance, her parents taught them that you don't answer hate with hate. And so that's why she could have a good attitude to this day. That's why when I meet African-Americans, I see many of them, they have a smile on their face and, and a, a, a welcoming demeanor. And I, and I really appreciate that. And I think we need to realize that in these really crazy times when, when you're exactly right, people miss this, that there, there's, there's hatred going on. I have a friend who years ago was the chief of staff for a congressman in Washington. And she says you could feel the hatred even in those days. And we all know that it's much worse now. So I get it that there's a lot of that out there, but we never want to resort, resort to that. We always want to maintain a right attitude and a right spirit, even in the face of hatred, nothing is gained by returning hate for hate. We can always overcome because we know that love is stronger than hate. And when you listen to some of the people talk, and, and I couldn't help but think this as you were, uh, as you were explaining these things, so many of the, of, the, of the people on the political left seem to be against this and against that and against the other thing. I keep wondering what they're for. 
Are they, do they have a positive vision going forward or are they just against all of us and against everything? And I hope that they, they aren't just against things, but I'm a little concerned about that because the way forward is to have a positive vision for the country and for the people's well-being. And I think that's what's missing in the dialogue right now. It's just caught up in I'm against this and I'm blaming that. And that doesn't help. You're absolutely right. And if we look back in history, their concept of what they want America to be actually looks like San Francisco. They don't want police. They don't want anybody to be able to tell anybody what to do because there should be no rules, no regulations, and anything goes. There should be no police. The reason that these people are doing these harmful things is because they're misunderstood. And this is the way they view what their utopia could be. So as long as you and I will continue to pay for their horrific programs, and man, there are going to be plenty. Just wait as they bring in the Green New Deal or the New Green Deal or whatever name they're giving it this week, which is really just an, a, a redo of Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. Why are they bringing this back? Because it has restrictions. What must they must do? They must restrict us. Why? Because if they restrict us, they have more. And this is always, always, always about them having more. Uh, I always think when I look at this of the Hunger Games, but I also think of Atlas Shrugged. I don't know, maybe President Trump is John Galt and we're all going to follow him. Who knows? But you have to take a look. You have to go back. You must understand in history so that it gives you a flavor of who we're dealing with. They will bring in drugs. I will bet one of the first things that's going to be done in 100 days is they're going to legalize all the drugs. That's what happened in Russia. Only instead of Russia using drugs, the people were high on vodka all the time. Let's face it, if you get drunk or stoned at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, then you're not going to pay attention to what your senator or legislator is doing, and that's exactly what they want. So in this flavor of hatred, I believe that we, our Christians and Judeo friends, must turn to God because we need to maintain our sanity, and we must continue to call them out, to call out those lies. We cannot be silent. What do you think, Pastor Rick? Should we fold up our tents and go home, or should we start count making them accountable the best way that we can? I don't believe we can stop fighting. What do you think? Well, I don't think we ever fold our tents and go home. Um, that's just that's just not an option at all. Uh, people didn't give up on us, and some of us have been through one thing or another, and people hung in there and worked with us. And so we need to do the same thing for the sake of our children, for the sake of our neighbors. We have to continue to advocate for that, which is right. We do need to speak the truth. Uh, in fact, I think that's one of, the, one of the vital roles that we can play is to point people to the truth and to reality. You, you said it well when you said that they have this utopian ideal of, of how things will be. Well, utopia can't be accomplished when there are fallible people. 
And we need to take a reality view of things and say, what is the reality around us? And now how do we address that reality to accomplish the best good for the people? And, and the defund the police idea is a perfect example because the reality is there will always be people that will do whatever they can get away with. And without some kind of enforcement mechanism, then you have chaos. Well, a utopian view says, oh, no, they won't do that. Uh, they'll, they'll behave themselves. The police just make it worse. Well, that's, that's just total denial of reality. And, and I agree, if everybody would behave themselves, we could eliminate the police force. But I haven't seen the city or the town where everybody behaves themselves. And so we have to have that reality check. And we have to tell each other the truth and, and face up to that. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's complicated. I think most people understand that. I am afraid too many people haven't really paid attention to the reality that's being discussed, or we would make better choices and different choices. I couldn't agree more. And one of the things that I am doing is I am deplatforming my platforms. And I think it would be a great idea if we all did the same thing. I also have decided, I think for the next several years, I don't have to go out and buy another shirt from China. I don't need anything more that comes from China. So I am going to be very particular with the dollars that I spend, and I will only deal with not only American companies, but I will deal with my local people because they support my local community. And when I look at Walmart and CVS and PayPal and all of these other mega, mega uh, companies that feel that they have the right to demand that we act a certain way, they don't have that right, folks, but they will if we give it to them. And that is going to be up to us. We can't allow them to control our lives. So we have to be in control. And that's going to be the hardest thing because it's always easier to let somebody else tell you what you should be doing rather than trying to figure it out yourself. And again, I will go back to the schools. That's a local issue that we can take care of ourselves. We've got to pay attention to what is in our schools, folks, because the dream that we will overtake them in 2022 is a real dream if our kids have no idea what America is. And it's going to be bad enough that the Constitution is going to be trampled upon over the next four years and probably the next 40 years, because by the time they put in all of those mechanisms that assure that we will never have a conservative president again, we're going to be in for a big treat. So hang on, folks. Know what's coming. Understand what's coming. And in the words of the former Boy Scouts, be prepared because chance favors a prepared mind. Be ahead of them. Know what's coming so you won't be surprised. Pastor, we are almost down to our last few minutes. So is there anything else before I would like you to close us with a prayer? Because we need that now more than ever. And next time we will be speaking, we will have a new administration, and that's a very scary thought. So what can you offer our friends and listeners, Pastor? Well, I think that you said it in, in a different way, so let me just say it in, in what struck me as I was listening to you talk. We sometimes feel overwhelmed because events happen that are totally out of our control. And you reminded us, and we should remind each other, that we are responsible for that which is under our control. 
So if you make different buying decisions, like you were describing, not buying this and not buying from that place, then those are things that are under our control. And it, and it gives us something to do that says, here's what we stand for. And so I want to encourage people to, to think about your life and think about the choices you can make that send a message, the message you want to send. You don't have to be mean about it or nasty, but you can just stand up and say, no, I'm not going to buy, as you said, Karen, I'm not going to buy shirts from China. Well, that's not impossible. We can, we can all do that kind of thing. So that's, that's what I would say to people. Think about what you can control and then act on that because that is something we can all do. And, and I'm doing it as well in my own way. I've made some decisions about how I'm going to conduct business and who I'm going to conduct business with. And we all can do that. So let me pray for all of us and ask that the Lord would give us insight and wisdom and courage and strength for these days to stand up for what's right and to do what's right. Father, we're grateful for this country you've given us, the gift of liberty like no other gift to any other people in all the world at any time before. You've entrusted it to our care, and we take that res responsibility to heart. And we will not be disheartened because we don't believe you've given up on us when you've given us this remarkable gift. So give us the wisdom that we talked about. Give us the insight so that we will know what actions we can take, and then give us the courage to take those actions consistently over time Help us to realize this is a marathon, not a sprint, and help us to trust in you. And you, in the meantime, will give us the strength we need for these days. And for that, we are grateful. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening. This is Karen Schoen and Pastor Rick Stevens. You have been listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Network. But America is America.